Hey, welcome back everyone. On this episode of the Original Slacker Podcast, we're going to speak with Mike LeCouture of Broken Goblet Brewery. Mike LeCouture is one of the owners and has been managing the marketing over there since its inception. It's going to be a really great podcast. The Original Slacker Podcast is presented by Round Guys Brewing Company. Come over to Round Guys Brewing Company. We have a pub right there in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Showcases 16 specially crafted beers. In addition, we also have the Underground, which showcases live events, including music, drag, uh, comedy, yoga, board game night. We got everything over there. It's always a packed line. It's always a fun night. Another bar full, eight drafts on of housecrafted beer. Uh, both the pub and the underground serve well drinks as well, all local Pennsylvania. And in addition, we also have a full-service food menu at the pub. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview I had with Mike. Welcome, friends. Today I have Mike Lacatour from Broken Goblet Brewing. Mike, how you been, dude? I've been well, Bill. How are you? Doing well, man. So, uh, Broken Goblet seems to be in the news. Life sounds pretty good over there. You guys are moving. You guys have uh, some great releases coming out. So, why don't you tell me about what's going on over at the Goblet? Well, I think, you know, depending on, on the airtime for this, uh, it, the bigger news may be the, the eminent move to our new facility over in Ben Salem from Bristol. Uh, I think in the, we've been in the news because of uh, a couple uh, Eagles-themed beer releases um, so it, we've kind of, you know, of all the times to try to have these high publicity stunts occur, uh, I, you know, either I picked a really poor time or it just, it, in traditional broken goblet fashion, it, it, uh, it all happened at a really inopportune moment, but, uh, I guess publicity is good no matter how it is. And so we, um, yeah, it's all, it's all happening kind of in this same three month time crunch between March and, and June. Um, with with all this stuff happening, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an exciting sorry about that. It's an exciting time for us, um, and it's also terrifying as an owner. You know, <laughs> it's, oh, it's I get just it. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I get it. So so why don't you tell me about the new place? What's uh what size system are you guys gonna be running over there? We're moving to a ten barrel, so it's not a you know we're not moving to a huge system. That's a big step uh, we up. wanted to. Yeah, it's a huge for us. It's a huge step from three. You know, we've been for almost four years now, three barrel going to a 10 barrel system is, is you know, it's a big it's a big deal. But it, as folks in, in the industry are familiar with the industry, know, you know, it's not just about being able to brew three times as much per batch. It's about, you know, your fermenter space and, and how much you're you're storing and, and are you distributing and where where is that beer going? So it it is a huge step up for us, both uh, in quantity, but also just you know, we're working off a very MacGyvered system where, you know, and I know very well that you understand this, what I'm about to say, you know, <laughs> we, we start with plastic fermenters. Um, you know, we've got no glycol system anywhere. We, we work on, you know, uh, rolling air conditioners to try to keep our fermenter room somewhat cold. You guys uh, essentially you know. were running a refrigerator, right? You build a refrigerator yeah. for the fermenters. Is that right? Not even that good. Not even that good. We didn't even build a cold box. We we just put you know mo- uh, mobile internal air conditioners in the room to try to, to try to keep it you know in you know try you know miraculously to keep it in the high sixties. <laughs> but even normally in the summer it's gonna it's gonna go when you got when you got all these vats that are all actively fermenting. You know the temp goes up and so it's been a struggle for us. So just moving to to actual real big boy technology 
Um, and, and stainless is, is very exciting and also again, scary move for us. So there's a bit of a learning curve that we've got ahead of us to make sure that we, um, you know, not only build recipes, you know, uh, ramp them up, but also have a better understanding of the, of the system that we're brewing the beers on. I think ultimately it's going to be great because we have struggled and suffered mightily as many small breweries do with the inferior equipment that having the nice equipment, you know, being able to get our, um, our uh, consistency up and you know yeast yields to temperature control everything is going to be it's going to you know that it should uh, be a blessing when it comes to the beers that are coming out so we're just excited that we've got our that we've got an, an, ele- an electric rake in the uh, mash tun that we, you <laughs> I, know, like th- I these would are love things that, that man. That, that sounds like a dream right now take that you know yeah. take some more uh, temperature controls I think we have two we're, we've been desperately trying to get rid of two plastic fermenters uh, it's going to happen in 2018, but yeah, I'm right there with you, man. The, uh, the growing up is way more exciting than, you know, middling with, with duct tape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, but it, but it did teach us good lessons. And so I would never, I would never turn it, you know, I would never say if I could go back, I mean, I've got 50 things I do differently and buying the system that we did and, and the way we opened up would not, would never hit that list because, you know, we opened up without a loan. We opened up not in debt. Um, you know, we, we opened up, I think in, in a, in a smart way, you know, all things being considered equal, uh, certainly bigger breweries got a lot more money behind them. And, and so they, you know, they also probably open up with, with no debt cause it's not their money that that's in debt right that second. But for us doing it all on our own backs, um, I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And it's given us very good lessons, valuable lessons on how to, you know, how to find and spot errors in beer and, and in process and SOP cleaning all the way through. You know, so when we get this nice new system, uh, I think we'll be a little bit more attuned to what we need to look for and, and also more appreciative of the benefits that a uh, you know, modern system brings. Yeah, so since we're there, why don't we talk about – you guys not only had a, a really innovative approach to brewing, just pretty much staying within your means, which I know many breweries. We just chatted with uh, Seven Sirens on the last episode. And those guys up there are pretty much trying to do the same thing, trying to stay within their means and then grow from there, which is a brilliant yep. model, especially in this marketplace where it's very competitive. You're not going to get the bar space you would get, you know, even five years ago. Uh, it's just it's just a different evolving market all the time. So what you guys are in the news for having some riding the coattails of one of the greatest <laughs> sports experiences here in Philadelphia uh, on top of that, I, I'm interested because you guys have always had a little niche area, and I respect you a lot for this, Mike. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you guys do on the front end with the marketing side and how you push out some of those uh, your brand across the region? Yeah, uh, so thank you, Bill. I appreciate you saying that, um, and, and I'll throw it right back out to you guys and around guys. Um, you know, I've I've always been impressed with the with the the with the. I mean, I love music. I know you guys do too. So I love seeing beer's name, you know, when fear of Brett planet came out, I was like, that's so awesome. And, and, you know, the stuff like that and then tying it in with the labels is really, really cool. Um, but for us, you know, this may sound crazy, but hear me out. I spent a lot of time in a band, um, being the driving force behind the, the business and marketing end of the brand of the band. So I, I have compared running a brewery very much so to the music industry and so of my other co-owners because there is there's corollaries there right all the way down to signing with a label via you know or signing with a distributor 
So from a marketing perspective, you know, my band was coming up in the very late uh, half of the first decade of 2000 and then onward. And the Internet was exploding at that point. My space, of course, was bigger than Facebook. But you had to be online all the time. You had to be pushing your your brand and, and to your customer base um, socially all the time. And, of course, it's grown exponentially. But the Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you name it. Um, but having the having a, the presence online, I think, is one of the biggest things that we started with that, you know, it, it's no secret, everybody can do it. But I'm, as you know, and I know you do a lot online um, for round guys, it's, it's a full time job. I mean, running social media is a full time job for a brewery, if that's where all of the people are coming from. And 95% of our business comes from Facebook. I mean, our website, as we sit right now is probably better than it is when we're recording um, when this when this comes out live, but it's a dumpster fire. So people go to our uh, Facebook page because that's where we're the most active. Um, so I think that's that's one piece of it, you know. And I've treated it very, you know, I've treated the artwork and the branding very much like a band. We try our band tried to stay very up on pop culture. We tried to, you know, we didn't try to get on the bleeding edge of it, but we tried to be very uh, cognizant of what our customer base was interested in, and and also kind of learning the things to stay away from. When it, when it comes to what you're talking about, you know, what do you post? What don't you post? What, what does your label include? What doesn't your label include? I'm sure you, you've seen all of the, the, the drama unfolding in the beer industry right now for labeling. And, you know, uh, you know, what, what is the content of your, of your beer label from an artwork perspective? What is it called? Is it, is it sexist? Is it, misog- you know, is it, is it very misogynistic? What is it? So you have to, there's, there's an awful lot that goes into, deciding what people are going to see when they go to your page. And the same was very true from a band perspective. What did your T-shirts look like? What did you look like on stage? What did you wear on stage? Were you in matching outfits? I was in metal, so there was there's a bit of theatrics involved there that's not present, present in some other music genres. But, you know, do you, what do you look like? How do you act? You know, do you have a light show? Do you, do you have choreographed moves for the guys that are not playing the drums? Um crap like that it believe it or not it sort of translated well to the brewery and so that's really been my silo at goblet has been handling the marketing handling the public outreach um coordinating with the artist um and then doing a lot of the art myself to make sure that you know everything looks reasonably consistent but uh there's enough nuance there that people aren't just seeing the same thing much like you guys where it's not the same, you know, common artwork with some little different color or line that here or there, um, but everybody when they sees it, they have a good feeling that it's that it's big up. Yeah, you need. That's to, a long. I, th- I think you make really good points there, especially trying to trying to formulate the template of the brand. I guess is the best way to put it, right? You, the feel, the appreciation, the the intangibles that you. You experience when you actually walk in, say a broken goblet. You have a beer. It's not just that beer. It's not just the quality of the beer you have. It's also the aura around the beer. And I think you guys really nail that. Uh, Thanks. One of the questions I do have is, in general, so are you actually physically drawing most of the artwork? No. So, so my role from an art perspective is, I like to say, I'm the typesetter and and the kind of the the choreographer of the art. Uh, we have a guy named Mark uh, Mark Salmon. Mark, Mark was the guitar player in my band, um, or I was the drummer in his band, however you want to look at it. But uh, we were bandmates, and Mark did 
art for the band that and and when we were just coming up as a band we would go out and we had a philosophy and what like we had a business model which is again another translatable skill to owning a brewery but we had a business model as a band and one of the business model uh pillars was we are going to act like a signed national band even though we are a podunk you know local metal act so we would show up at a venue to play in front of 14 kids and we would have 10 different shirts we would have (laughs) underwear you know we'd have booty shorts we'd have socks made we'd have hats and the artwork was all kind of pop culture related very um current and hip and and the art was good i mean you gotta you know you can have all the greatest ideas in the world but if you can't draw for shit then or you can't you know you can't do digital art then you're screwed but so mark did all of the artwork there so when we were ideating broken goblet Mark was, you know, Mark drew the goblet in about 13 seconds. As you, you know, look at it, it's the simplest thing ever, but it was perfect. I told him, I, I said, I want our logo to look like Apple did it. And so, you know, thir- 13 seconds later, literally, he emails me back and he's like, what about something like this? And I swear to God, Bill, it is the art that we use today. So he, he, he nailed that sort of very simple look on the, on the actual goblet logo. But then for all of our artwork, he does everything. He'll send me what I'll call the core art, and then I will adjust it, lay it out, and do all of the kind of framing art around it for beer labels or whatever, um, you know, the typesetting, the font treatments, and stuff like that. I have a little bit of input into his art, um, but generally, you know, he'll come over to my house with his iPad um, and start sketching while I'm talking and we're drinking, and, you know, two hours later, he's got some amazing piece of art uh, that we just bullshitted together and and, and ultimately – you know, his, his talent and my, I guess, vision to not sound so grand, but my vision, um, comes together. And then other times, some of the guys that, you know, Jay, Bub, uh, they come up with ideas as well. And then I just translate them to Mark and then he draws them. So everybody has a say and nothing's done in a vacuum, but on, at the end of the day, it's Mark to, to me to, to print. So it's your original artist. That's pretty impressive. I know, uh, yeah. I know we went through cause we had, we had Joe in the beginning and then we, we Joe went on to bigger, grander things, and we had to diversify out. And a similar story, I guess, where where I handle and try and steer the the artist. But it's, it's great when you have an art team that you can trust. You know that they're going to put something out that's quality. And every time you look at it, you're like, "Wow, this these guys do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I, I we get we get. I mean, I, you know, we get kudos for certain things, and art is one of those things. It, it's always people say it's always you know they always like the the direction that it is, the color, the the concept. And we, we took a lot of inspiration, honestly, from the Chamonix Creek. I was always impressed with the, with the, I mean, with the way that their art is done, which is very, very, uh, them, you know, you always know it's in a Chamonix because they've had the same JP has been doing their art forever. So it always has those common elements that you can grab a hold. But the thing I loved about their art was that it was bold, simple colors. Cause so it would translate well to a t-shirt. Again, this is crap. You got to think about when you're in the band, you know, how much is that shirt going to cost me to make? Um, you know, is that, does that mean we can't stay in a hotel in, in Iowa? We have to sleep in the van. So you got to think about everything down to how many screens per color. So the simple art, if you can do with half tones, lots of bold black lines. And, and we were always struck by how good Nishamini's cans looked on a, on a, a shelf. And that was something that we didn't, we didn't want to mimic it, but we wanted to keep that concept of sort of bold art, um, that maybe had a little more variety than they do just because, you know, a lot of times he's he's mimicking something he saw as opposed to drawing it completely freehand. 
Um, but you know, we, that was something that was a big inspiration for us. And you guys have worked also Ninkazi. Ninkazi Brewing is another brewery that I was always attracted to from a uh, from an artwork standpoint. If you're familiar with those dudes, and you guys have worked with the Chamonix Creek on a number of things, correct? We've not done any collaborations with them, not not for any uh, negative reason, but just because they're so they're so busy. Yeah. Um, but but they, you know, just like Scott and you guys have, were really um, instrumental in helping us get open because. We we went and visited these guys, uh, you know, and you know I remember st- st- sitting with Scott for two hours. In fact, I, the best <laughs> advice I ever got, the best advice I ever got was from Scott. I said, "What's the most important thing that I need to know for our opening?" And he walked me into your kitchen and he pointed at the dishwasher and he said, "See this thing? You need one of these." And I remember going back to Jay and Bub and saying, "You know, they were like, you know, report back kind of thing." What what Scott <laughs> have to say? Scott, we talked about X Y Z. He said, but the most important thing was the dishwasher. I remember Jay saying, well, that's ridiculous. Two months into our opening, we're like, dude, we need a dishwasher. So, <laughs> um, so that was, and I pass that information on. I always give Scott credit. But, uh, the, you know, the, 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 they have been instrumental in helping us to dial in recipes, find things that are wrong with our beers. Um, everybody's done that, like not just, not just them. But uh, so we've worked with them in that regard. And being so close to them, we do a lot of kind of events with them kind of, you know, where they'll, you know, they'll do their hops and hot rods, for instance. And, you know, we're all, we're kind of always guaranteed a spot. And certainly with Hoppy Halloween, um, they're always guaranteed a spot. They always do, you know, really good beers like that. They don't give out to other beer fests. They'll do for us. And once we move to Ben Salem, we will be a, a little bit easier to get to them, but same distance. So they will, we've got some ideas to, to work together with them. Um, in some more unique ways that we'll be able to share once we get open and make sure that we've got our make sure that we've got all of our eyes dotted and T's crossed at a new place. All right, over at Ben Salem, what are you guys going to be offering? Is that going to be a full service pub? I mean, we're going to keep our license. We have the brew pub license, like you guys do. Um, we're not we're not looking to have a full kitchen um, right now. Uh, as you, people may be aware, we have a partnership with Nick's Roast Beef. They run our kitchen. They they run it out of a truck outside that's permanently parked there. Um, the the we're not we haven't you know released yet what we're going to do with the new place, but just with the way the logistics are working, um, it's it's going to be inconvenient for a truck to be outside all the time j- from the distance to get into the tap room. So we're putting in a, a kitchen area in the, in our in our new spot. Um, who's going to run that is a is is not has not yet been. Um, form uh, you know formally uh discussed i guess i'll say in a very nice way um but we we are we're leaning towards continuing that trend because to be honest with you the last thing on the planet earth that i want to have to worry about is cooking or making food of any sort so we'd love to have that in somebody else's hands um and but we you know we've got to have we got to have food for people you know it's 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 important and i don't want to have to fight with food trucks every every week of the year to try to see if they're going to come or they're not going to show up or whatever i'd much rather have it under you know being a control freak i'd like to be in control of that of that situation <laughs> you said it man <laughs> all, all right. right mike let's move on to the second half of this i got a list of questions here you have to run this gauntlet all right man i don't know what you're going to get for but i expect you to answer each one correctly okay correctly or honestly Honestly, why not? I have no idea. Okay, good, 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 good. Because I'll probably, if it's beer related, I'll screw it up. Uh, well, the first one. So, true or false? Is running a brewery nothing more than a 
alcoholic adult daycare. Are you speaking for the patrons or the staff? Speaking for you. Uh, speaking for me. Uh, I'll say false. Do you want to? Do you want me to explain or yes, just say you false? You got to explain, man. You got to explain. I, I, I mean, look. I, I love our staff. Um, I feel like we've we've done a good job selecting our staff um, and had help with that. So so I love that. Uh, from a patron standpoint, I mean, our you know our patrons, they generally skew a bit older, and I don't mean that in, an, in any type of disparaging way because I'm I have zero hair and I'm gray in my beard and I'm 42. So um, I think we skew a little bit older, and so we we you know knock on wood, it's four years. I can name the amount of problems we've had in our tap room. Um, you know, sort of that daycare mentality. I, I could I could count it on one hand if I was missing three fingers. Um, so it, it's we've been very very lucky moving in the new place. It's going to be uh, a little bit different, I think, just because you put 300 people instead of 80 people, and all of a sudden your percentage likely percentage for a problem goes up. Uh, but we've been really blessed to not have. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, we've been really blessed to not have a lot of uh, issues with uh, with kind of having to 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 treat it like an adult daycare. All right. Number two. Yep. True or false? If you're librating, you shouldn't be driving. Librating? Librating. I'm going to say true. Okay. And I don't know. I don't even know what that word means, but I, I, I immediately went to libating as in if that's some sort of uh, – verb for libations which means you're drinking so maybe you shouldn't be driving that's that's where my head's at with that okay uh if you're librating you probably can't be driving because the moon is the only thing that that we know that librates and it's just a sudden vibration the shift oh, you, you are messing around with studying motions of the moon i, I honest to god <laughs> I, thought, well, I thought that was just a bill mcgini clever line there okay sometimes ahead. sometimes they are but you know being honest with you man i'm being straightforward uh, I like this. Okay. Okay. So true or false? You drink the one team pint for yourself, and then you'll drink three more, you know, in case one of your staff members isn't there that day. False. All right. False. I have a long drive home. Uh, well, maybe true depending on the time of the day and the day that it is. If it's Saturday at, at 2 p.m. Uh, and I'll be there till 2 a.m., there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a chance that I may – to tip one out down my throat for my homies, but uh, more than likely, uh, I have to uh, I have to drive drive further than anybody else, so it probably will be fall. I try to stay responsible. I got I got two little girls at home. I don't want to screw anything up. So, and you probably drink a, if you're anything like me, anything like Scott. Uh, we we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> it's a lot of coffee. Dude, I, get, I just got made fun of today that I have stock in Dunkin' Donuts because I never come in here without Dunkin' Donuts. So it's, <laughs> Okay, next up. If Jesus were to return, he'd be driving A, a beer truck, B, a Tesla Roadster, eh, a Tesla <laughs> guy over here, or C, Dodge Dart. Oh, a beer truck? You know what? He'd be dri- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's going to be driving a beer truck, and let me tell you why. I was just at a wedding this weekend, and, and part of the, one of the – it was a Catholic wedding. So one of the, uh, you know, the readings, or I'm sorry, the homily, actually, for those of you that know what the hell I'm talking about, um, you know, the main, the main reading that the priest reads right before he lectures the, the, the couple that's totally hung over from the rehearsal dinner. Um, <laughs> the homily was the, was the wedding at Cana, 
which is where Jesus turned the water into wine. You so re- I'd like to think you remember the homily that well? Well, okay, I'm I'm eight years of Catholic grade school, twelve years Catholic high school, and then I went to St. Joe's in Philly, which is Jesuit, but kind of, you know, I'm just going to call it like sort of more militant Catholic. So I've had so many goddamn years, and I mean that word, I've been so many goddamn years of Catholic education that I feel like I know the story, but I hadn't heard it in a while. And it was ironic that the priest, when he's homilizing to the two people, actually put them on the spot and said, why did you pick that? The guy who was getting married was Joe, our one of our owners who left the business about a year ago. So we're all there and we're just laughing because he's up there absolutely trying to stay alive from the night before. And he's getting put on the spot in front of 250 people to answer why he picked this this reading. But anyway, I'm going to say he's drinking a, driving a beer truck because Lord knows society right now needs stuff to make them happy. And if he's coming back, what a better what better way to make a very large percentage of the population happy than to be delivering tasty beer to people. So I I'm saying you. he's driving a beer. Amen. Amen, Mike. Amen. Great work. Bless you. Bless you. All right. We only got two more. We'll blow through these. Okay. In what spider species do the children eat their mother alive? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 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 dude, I, you know, I, 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 I'm a biology major, and I did an entire project my junior year in college because I was, I was pre-med. I did an entire project on spiders, um, and I don't remember any of the genesis species names of the spiders. Uh, I'm sure there's some arachnid in there, but I don't know the the names. But I, I you will be pleased to know that I named the spiders um, Maynard and Marilyn after Maynard James Keenan and Marilyn Manson, and the whole project was on smoke. So we, we, we built this tank and would like smoke cigarettes and then blow the smoke into one of them, but not the other one to see which one, you know, fared better. And, and, and (laughs) no, so it was, it was an, it was an amazingly, uh, silly, but, but ultimately cool, um, science project. And then, so when I, you know, when we were done, I didn't have the heart to leave the spiders at St. Joe's over the summer. So I brought them home and my poor mom. God bless her, would go buy crickets at the pet store and feed these friggin' things that, you know, could, and they were, they were spiders that could definitely bite you. I mean, these, these are tarantulas, so they were big, you know, and uh, I believe that Maynard lived longer than Marilyn, um, but ultimately they both perished because I was an awful, awful parent to them. But that's about the extent of my, my, my arachnid knowledge, so I have to say I don't know. Mike, this is why I have you on, dude. This that's gold. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Who takes the spiders home because they're afraid they're going to die on campus? Uh, after I after I smoked them out with cigarettes and probably some weed at some point. But yeah, yeah, yeah I was I was a real good parent about that. Don't okay. leave them there. Me and my buddy Dan Lafferty. I'll never forget it. We built these tanks. The teacher thought we were brilliant. Meanwhile, we're just like, dude, we got bite. You know, everybody thought we were the cool the cool kids because we got tarantulas in the in the class. Uh, for the record, the species was Stegodyphus dumicola, native to South Africa. All right, I did not know that. <laughs> well, for your next stint on Jeopardy, you got it now. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last up. Uh, so you have a newfound best friend, I see, uh, Sir Jason Kelsey. I know he was in my neighborhood playing on the sax the other day. Um, 
Can you describe? Yep. I I got this photo taken. We were at this event downtown, and me and a friend. And can you describe what's going on in that photo? Uh, can I can I be candid in what in looking at the photo? I my my initial reaction was, uh, dude, could you get the fuck away from me? Uh, because there's kind of a hot chick to my right, um, and I'd really like to take a picture with her because he's just looking at her, and you're just kind of glomming on and smiling. So that was my initial. <laughs> Uh, I also thought, I mean, just the very little bit that I that I have, uh, I am aware of him, and I want to say for the record that I don't, I'm not his friend. I don't know him any, in any other way, but from a business relationship right now. But I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, but it also could have been the poor guy got caught in a bad moment where he just turned his head and the picture gets snapped, and uh, and instantaneously he he looks like uh, Weinstein uh, 18 months ago. So. Uh, now I, I imagine probably he was just turning his head and it just looks like that he's staring at your friend and you're just, you're just like, dude, can you please look at the camera? Dude, 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 can you look at the camera? <laughs> um, that's kind of how I, uh, how I felt. You did have a schoolboy smile on your face though. I gotta admit it was a, it was a special moment for me, man. <laughs> he seems like a really good guy. I, I can't, I have, I have zero, uh, zero negative things to say about the man. He's, uh. He's kind of uh, he's the hero Philly needed, the hero Philly wanted, um, and uh, I, that dude is that dude cemented himself in history for Philadelphia. Um, I didn't think Chase Utley was going to give up the throne, but um, he 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 managed to do it. And how? It's like Rocky yeah. and Kelsey, Chase Utley at this point maybe. And, and how? Yeah. So so you were right on that last question, which gives you I think you got three out of four, maybe. Somewhere in that ballpark, three out of five. Um, <laughs> That's not we, bad. So you, That's the same GPA I had in college. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey was caught in the middle of a conversation on that. Uh, so, you know, funny things, good stuff. Hey, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. When are you guys opening up now down in Ben Salem? Uh, I, so the snow has screwed us twice now. Snow screwed us for some of the work outside at the, old, at the place in January. And then – the snow is screwing us up now because our, our entire brew house was supposed to be delivered on Monday, I believe. But now they've backed up the whole thing because of the because um, of the impending whatever the hell we're calling this two two level snowstorm that we're about to have. So they now are I'm thinking we're probably not going to open until June. Uh, that's that's my guess based on just the timelines and stuff. But landlord has been very cool about it. Um, so, you know, from a financial perspective, it's not like we're getting, it's not like we have to rush the opening. Um, and we have our current location technically until next year. So we could, you know, it's, it's not like we're all of a sudden not able to make beer, not able to function as a business and are, and not able to pay our staff. So luckily, uh, I think everything's going to work out for us. And and I think we'll be open in June, knock on wood. Great. Great. Thank you again, Mike, for taking the time to chat. And I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Good luck down there, and uh, let's let's share some beer soon, man. Anytime talking to you, Bill, makes my day, so I, I appreciate it. Say hi to everybody over at Round Guys for me, and uh, I appreciate it to anybody who listened. Definitely will. Thanks again, Mike. Special thanks again to Mike over at Broken Goblet. You can find out more about Broken Goblet by visiting their website at brokengoblet.com or by checking out their Facebook page slash Broken Goblet. Thanks again, friends. If you're interested more in anything to do with the Round Guys Brewing Company, 
can, of course, find our beer at any of the local distribution outlets in Montgomery and Bucks, especially Wegmans and now Whole Foods has come on. In addition, we also have a full-service bar in, located in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. That includes food, drink, all drinks, 16 beers on draft, in addition to well drinks and craft ciders, and everything is made right here in Pennsylvania. We do the beer. We bring in some of the local wines and the local liquors. Uh, including a partnership with our very good friends down at Boardroom Spirits right across town. In addition, we also have the Underground, which serves as shared space. So we have some great live music, great live shows, drag shows, yoga, and everything. But we also uh, share space with a cafe upstairs, Backyard Beans Coffee Roasters. It's a great time to be in Lansdale. Check us out. And I hope you guys have a great week. And thanks again, friends, for listening.